Philip Morris presents the Bickersons, produced, broadcast, and transcribed from Hollywood, starring Francis Langford and Lou Parker. Believe in yourself. Yes, believe in yourself. Compare Philip Morris. Match Philip Morris. Judge Philip Morris against any other brand. Then decide for yourself which cigarette is milder, tastier, more enjoyable. Believe in yourself. And you'll believe in Philip Morris, America's finest cigarette. They fight, they yell, they squabble and squawk. But they love each other as much as any married couple in the world. That's Francis Langford and Lou Parker, stars of Philip Rapp's humorous creation, The Bickersons. And here is John Bickerson himself, Lou Parker. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and good evening. Before we don the gloves for our weekly Bickerson bout, I'd like to present my marital sparring partner in another role. Here she is, your purple hot girlfriend, Miss Frances Langford. Thank you. Franny, we received a lot of requests this week from servicemen at the Oak Knoll Hospital in Oakland. The fellows would like to hear you sing Beyond the Blue Horizon. It's my pleasure, Lou. So with the help of Tony Romano and his orchestra, this is for you, boys. In a moment, we'll have a look in at the Bickersons. But first, I'd like to have a word with the most important person in the world when it comes to choosing a cigarette. That person, of course, is you. We of Philip Morris believe that no one's taste is more important to you than your taste. No one's judgment is more important to you than your judgment. That's why we ask you to believe in yourself. That's why, unlike others, we of Philip Morris never ask you to test our brand alone. That's no test, because it gives you no choice. We say compare Philip Morris. 
match Philip Morris. Judge Philip Morris against any other cigarette. Then make your own choice according to your own taste, your own judgment. In short, believe in yourself. Later you'll hear an interview with an actual smoker, not an actor, not a paid performer, but a real person who will make the only fair cigarette test, the Philip Morris nose test. I know you'll be interested, so stay with us, won't you? Now, light up a Philip Morris, and let's join Francis Langford and Lou Parker as John and Blanche Pickerson in The Honeymoon is Over. Every morning it's the same thing. Rush, rush, rush. Get up at 7 and make breakfast for you, then clear the things away, straighten the house, make the bed, do the shopping, do the laundry. Why can't I have a maid, John? John! Hmm? John Bickerson, how can you fall asleep at the breakfast table? It ain't easy with all that talking going on. <laughs> Wake me in five minutes, Blanche. Take your face out of the oatmeal and sit up straight. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I don't know why I bother to make breakfast for you anyway. You never eat it. What's wrong with the oatmeal, John? Too lumpy. How do you know? You didn't taste it. Didn't have to taste it. I got a lump on my head. Got it all over your clothes, too. You can't go to work looking like that. Go in and change your suit. What for? My other suit looks worse. No, it doesn't. I had it clean. Clean? You had no right to do that. Who told you to have my suit clean? What's wrong with you, John? There was a big stain on the lapel. It was filthy. What do you mean, filthy? That was a bourbon stain. I've been saving it for months. What for? In case there's liquor rationing, I don't want to be caught short. Where's my hat, Blanche? I've got a big day ahead of me, and I'm so tired I can't keep my eyes open. Well, it's your own fault if you're tired every morning. Your snoring keeps you awake. You keep me awake. It amounts to the same thing. Your snoring wakes me up, and I wake you up to stop it. Why don't you have an operation? What are you talking about? There's no operation to cure snoring. Yes, there is. I cut an article out of the paper about a snore doctor. His name is Dr. Rasper. Dr. Rasper? He was the head of surgery at a goat clinic in Salzburg. <laughs> Goats don't snore. I know they don't. He just used them for experiments. Can't hurt you to let him try, can it? Blanche, I can't afford any operations. I haven't had a single order in three weeks. Maybe there's an order in that letter that came for you. What letter? It arrived yesterday. It's in a big, fat, official-looking envelope. Well, why didn't you tell me yesterday? I wasn't talking to you yesterday. Where is it? Where's the letter? I sent it back to the post office. Blanche, that letter might contain a big order. What did you send it back for? There was 28 cents postage due on it, and I didn't want to break a dollar. Pick it up on your way to work. Let me 28 cents for the postage due. Here. Now, John, you've got to promise me that you'll go through with the operation to cure your snoring. Oh, forget about that quack doctor. He's not a quack. Just listen to what the news I haven't time. It'll only take a minute. Listen. Dr. Hugo Rasper, eminent respiratory surgeon, has accepted a residency at Park Haven Hospital. Mm. The doctor, a former goat specialist, attained national prominence through his many experiments on snoring. Among his most celebrated patients were the late Lord Martin, the late Charles Canterbury, and the late Countess... John, where are you going? I'm going out of here before you make me the late John Bickerson. <laughs> I'm getting dressed. Be right in. I was down at the market shopping. I never saw such prices. Can you lend me some eggs, Blanche? You were down at the market. Why didn't you buy some? At 93 cents a dozen? That's what we pay. I don't lay them myself, you know. (laughs) 
Yes. What are you putting on those old rags for? I've got to see a doctor. What's wrong with you? Not me. It's John. Clara, does Barney ever disturb you in the middle of the night? Terribly. Sleeps with a smile on his face. <laughs> if I ever find out who he's dreaming about, I'll kill him. Well, John snores and he's driving me mad. I'm going to arrange to have him operated on. Who are you going to? Dr. Hersey? No, Dr. Rasper. He's a surgeon who just arrived in town, and there's a whole article in today's paper about his new operation to cure snorers. Dr. Hersey's going to be terribly hurt. All these years, you've sort of been promising him John's nose, and here you are giving it to a perfect stranger. Well, Dr. Rasper's a specialist. Dr. Hersey can have any other part of John he wants. <laughs> I just want your snoring operation to be perfect. Doesn't sound good to me. Oh, listen, Clara, in mm. case I get detained at the hospital, would you kind of look in on our animals? Well, what do you feed them? Well, the canary gets tomato juice, the goldfish gets hamburger, and the cat gets a can of Puss in Boots. You give that to the cat? I've been feeding it to Barney. <laughs> you like it? Loves it. And you ought to see the way his eyes shine in the dark. <laughs> well, I've got to go and make arrangements for the doctor now. Uh, Blanche, look, I don't want to mix in, but do you think John will agree to be operated on? You know how he always screams about money. Yes, but there's a special delivery letter for him at the post office, and John seemed to think it was a big order. He gets a commission on every bowling ball he sells, you know. But an operation might cost hundreds of dollars. Well, Dr. Asper has a convenient credit plan, and the way it works is that you're completely healed the day you make your last payment. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, suppose this big order is for, say, 20 bowling balls a week. Mm -hmm. How long would it take John to make $300 if his commission is a cent and a half a ball? I don't know, but it seems like an awful long time for a man to have his nose in a sling. Next? You got a special delivery letter here for John Bickerson? Oh, you want the dead letter window. You're on the wrong line. I've been on six lines. Dead letters, stamps, parcel posts, registered letters, money orders, and complaint department. I've been kicked back and forth in this building like a used Republican. <laughs> Would you mind lowering your voice? Part of our civil service examination is a hearing test. Oh, is that so? Yes, it is. I happen to be a government employee, you know. I don't care if you're Margaret Truman. I'm a taxpayer. <laughs> this is not the Bureau of Internal Revenue. There's a lot of things it's not, including a post office. Yeah. But there's a special delivery letter here for me, and I'm going to get it. <laughs> Why did you break our weighing scale? I didn't break it. It must have been weak. Now, where's my letter? And don't tell me you haven't got it or I'll have you arrested for robbing the mail. I'm looking for your letter now. Wasted a whole morning in this broken-down post office. Oh, here we are. Homer Thicket. Thickerson's the name. John Bickerson. Sorry, nothing with that name. What about that one on top? That looks like my name. Let me see it. It is mine. I've lost out on a big order on account of your stupidity. What the devil is this? Looks like an advertising circular. Dear fellow sufferer, Dr. Rasper can end your snoring forever. In a moment, we'll join the happy Bickersons. Right now, it's time to join our roving reporter, Jay Jackson, for the story of his interview with an actual smoker in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay, Jay Jackson. 
Hello there. This is Jay Jackson. While we've been setting up our microphones here in the beautiful lobby of the Hotel Peabody in Memphis, my assistant has been talking to some of the guests and has located a volunteer to take the Philip Morris nose test. Are we all set, Frank? All set, Jay. Jay, I'd like you to meet Mrs. Frank Marshall of Memphis, Tennessee. Mrs. Marshall is not a Philip Morris smoker. Thank you, Frank. How do you do, Mrs. Marshall? Fine, thank you. Now, about this test, I'd like to ask you one favor first. For obvious reasons, don't refer to your present cigarette, please, by its brand name. All right? All right. All right, Mrs. Marshall. Now, let me offer you a Philip Morris cigarette. There we are. Do you have one of your own brand handy? Yes, I do. Good. Now, which of the two cigarettes would you prefer to light first? Oh, it doesn't make any difference. Well, suppose you make the choice. All right, I'll light Philip Morris. Philip Morris first. All right. Now, I'll light it for you, then I want you to take a puff. Do not inhale. Let the smoke come slowly through your nose. That's the idea. And that was the Philip Morris first, right? That was. Now, Mrs. Marshall, let's try exactly the same test with your own cigarette, which I notice is also one of the leading brands. I'll light it for you. I want you to take a puff. Do not inhale. And let the smoke come slowly through your nose. There we are. Now, Mrs. Marshall, you've tried exactly the same test with both cigarettes. First with the Philip Morris, then your own brand, right? Right. Tell me, please, what difference, Annie, did you notice between the two cigarettes? Well, the Philip Morris seemed much milder. You found the Philip Morris milder than your yes, own cigarette? I did. Well, Mrs. Marshall, you've just confirmed the judgment of thousands of other smokers all over the country who have also found that Philip Morris is milder. Thank you so much. All right. Remember this, the test you just heard is entirely voluntary and no promise of any kind, no payment whatsoever is made for any statement in the interview. Friends, the Philip Morris Nose Test is the only fair test, for it allows you to compare, match, judge Philip Morris against any other cigarette. Yes, try this test. Believe in yourself. And you too will believe in Philip Morris, America's finest cigarette. And now, once again, here are Francis Langford and Lou Parker as John and Blanche Dickerson in The Honeymoon is Over. Well, even the persistent dripping of water will eventually wear away a stone. So, after seven years of cycloid insomnia, or blasters reaction, John Dickerson has finally yielded to Blanche's demands and consented to allow a specialist to relieve his condition. Outside his room at the Park Haven Hospital, Blanche Pickerson has a last-minute conversation with Dr. Rasper. Listen. He's all right, Mrs. Pickerson. The nurse is giving him a sedative now. But nothing can go wrong, can it, Dr. Rasper? He won't be in surgery over 15 minutes, and there's absolutely no danger whatever. What causes a man to snore like that, doctor? Well, he's a mouth breather, very likely suffering from Kleinfeld's stertor, a respiratory disorder resulting from a postpharyngeal condition. Does he drink anything? Anything. <laughs> the operation won't hurt, will it? Not the slightest. All we have to do is take a stitch in his palate and shorten his uvula. Well, I hate to bring this up now, Dr. Asper, but how much will it cost? The fee will be $50 with the anesthetic. How much is it without the anesthetic? <laughs> I should say about $40, but I wouldn't advise the operation without it. All right, Dr. Rasper. I think you better run along, Mrs. Bickerson. It's past midnight. He's got to get a good night's rest, and you can come and see him in the morning. Well, I'll just look in on him to make sure he's sleeping. Very well. Good night, Mrs. Bickerson. Good night, Doctor. Now, 
sounds like he left one of his goats here. What's the matter, Blanche? What's the matter? How can you sleep like that? I cleaned the kitchen, I plucked the canary, I scaled the goldfish, and I milked the cat. Everything's taken care of. Let me sleep. John, what are you talking about? We're in the hospital. Who's sick? Nobody's sick. You're going to have an operation. Dr. Raster's going to shorten your uvula in the morning. Then what did you wake me up now for? Well, you were snoring. I was afraid you'd wear it off before I got a chance to operate. I don't know why I let you talk me into this. Who made that broken-down Dr. Rasp with such an authority on... Stop cranking the bed up. What are you doing, Blanche? You weren't sleeping properly, and I'm supposed to see that you get a good night's rest. I was sleeping fine. Why did you tilt me like this? I was afraid the snores would roll down your throat and poison you. Blanche, will you please crank me down? You keep your voice down, John Dickerson. You're disturbing the other patients. I still don't know why you have to have an operation to cure your snoring. I didn't want it. You've been working on me for seven years to do it. I'm beginning to think it's a waste of money. I could have used that $50. Still walking around in a short dress. What are you beefing about? Tomorrow I'll be walking around in a short uvula. <laughs> Put out the lights. You mustn't excite yourself, dear. Open your mouth. What for? Just hand me that thermometer. I want to take your temperature. Blanche, they took my temperature eight different ways. <laughs> well, I'll check it again before we go to sleep. We? Oui. Blanche, what are you doing in your nightgown? You're not going to sleep here, are you? Yes, I am. It only costs $5 extra to have that cop moved in here, and that silly night nurse gets $10 a day. What about it? Well, I'm going to take her place and save the money. Now, open your mouth like a good boy. There. Keep that thermometer in there while I check your pulse. Hmm. There isn't any nurse that can do anything that I can. There, your pulse is normal. It's steady as clockwork. You've got your fingers on my wristwatch. <laughs> You shouldn't be wearing a wristwatch. Not good to have constriction when you're sleeping. Let me see that thermometer. Yeah. What does it say? Murphy's Bar and Grill. <laughs> what was this swizzle stick doing in that glass? I had them deliver me a highball. And if you think that hot water bottle is full of hot water, you're out of your mind. Bourbon. If Dr. Rasper knew about this, he wouldn't operate on you. Why don't you tell him? I'd love it. Now, please don't get excited, dear. It's my job to see that you get a good night's rest, and I'm not going to let anything disturb you. Well, put out the lights. I want to be sure that you have the right sleeping position. Now, stretch your feet out a little more. <clears throat> and move over in the center. <clears throat> don't bury your head that way. There. Are you comfortable? Fine. Relax? Hmm. Will you be able to sleep well? Sleep well. That's fine. Now, get up and unpack my bag. <laughs> your bag. I thought you were putting me to sleep. I was just testing. Unpack my bag, John. Why don't you unpack it? I have to refill this hot water bottle. I don't need any hot water bottle. Not for you. It's for me. What? I still have a little indigestion from those clams I ate for dinner. Yeah. You always take me to those cheap restaurants. Whole oh, dinner disagreed with me. It wouldn't dare. <laughs> now, don't start getting irritable. I've done plenty for you, so you can do something for me. Unpack my bag, John. Uh, where's my slipper? Did you bring my slipper? It's under the bed in that little foot bath. Foot bath? Big nurse. <laughs> Look at the size of this suitcase. What did you bring it for? We're only staying one night. You never can tell. Put the stuff away. 
There's no closet. Where will I put these dresses? In the drawers. What do you want these drawers? In the dresser. <laughs> okay, now I can get some... Blanche! Crank me up, John. What are you doing in my bed? I'm the one who's getting operated on. You have no right to be in my bed eating fruit and candy. Maybe you'd like me to send you some flowers. No, but tell the floor nurse I can have visitors between 2 and 4 tomorrow. I'll feel better then. Am I supposed to sleep in that old wooden cot? Yes, it's easier to watch over you from here. There's nothing but a spring on this cot, not even a mattress. Well, that'll keep you off your back and you won't snore tonight. Just crawl between the blankets. I want you to be well rested for the operation. Put out the lights. In a minute. Was everything all right at the house when you left? Fine. I would have checked things myself if I didn't have to prepare you for your admission here. Maybe I should have stayed home. Hmm. Son, I'm worried about the house. Don't worry. I think I left the electric heater on in the bathroom. It might burn the place up. Won't burn. Did you turn it off? No. Well, how do you know it won't start a fire? I left the water running in the bathtub. <laughs> well, stop popping your topper. I checked everything. You should have taken the animals with us. Mm. Poor little canary is locked in the cage, and cat can't get out of the house, and who's going to feed the goldfish? I'll bet they're terribly unhappy. Oh, they're not unhappy. They're having a fine vacation. They are not. They are, too. When I left, the cat was fishing. Fishing? Where? <laughs> In the goldfish bowl, and he was using the canary for bait. The canary and the goldfish are fine, and I wish the cat would drop dead. Why are you so mean? I'm not mean. I'm full of those sleeping pills, and I can't keep my eyes open. Now, put out the lights. I'll be through in a minute. Blanche, why are you plucking your eyebrows at this time of night? I'm not plucking my eyebrows. I'm taking off my false eyelashes. False eyelashes? I didn't know you had bald eyelids. Ball. It's just that my lashes are short and they don't bring out my eyes. Lots of women use false eyelashes. Well, throw them away. You don't need anything to bring out your eyes. I do, too. You do not. I'm satisfied with the way they bulge now. <laughs> are you going to let me get some sleep? Yes, dear. Just close your eyes. I'm going to read the paper for a little while. Read the paper? There's certainly a lot of activity in Washington. What's all this tax reduction talk? Talk. <laughs> Blanche, I read the paper, every word of it. Read it to yourself. Don't be so disagreeable. Dr. Rasper told me to keep you occupied so you won't think about the operation. All I'm thinking about is sleep. That's a good boy. Mustn't get nervous. Hmm. You see what's happening to the stock market? It's going to pieces. Well, why can't we get a piece of it? Put away the paper, Blanche. What's the name of that stock you bought last year? I told you 50 times. Kentucky Saltpeter Mines. <laughs> Can't even find it listed on the stock page. Look in the help wanted column. Oh, listen to this. Here's a story about a doctor who left a pair of scissors inside. Blanche, will you stop reading to me? I'm nervous and jittery about the operation, and I can't stand the sound of your voice. I can just hear you making those insulting remarks to Gloria Gooseby. Now, don't start with Gloria Gooseby. You wouldn't bite her head off like that without her squealing all over the place. I always bite her, and she never squeals. What? One night, I don't want to hear about it. I shall not go to sleep. Go to sleep, she tells me. In the morning, they're going to cut out my uvula. Cleans me up about Gloria. What's that? It's the telephone. Answer it. Why don't you answer it? It's right next to your bed. I'm not supposed to be here. It might be the hospital superintendent, and I don't want him to find out. 
Go on, answer it. Can't even get me rest in a hospital. Hello? Mrs. Kimford? Huh? The maternity nurse asked me to call you. You can get ready now. They're bringing your baby in for his one o'clock feeding. What? Isn't this room 413? I don't know what it is, but I'm not feeding any baby. <laughs> of a hospital is this? I'm going to get out of here. Now, don't go getting hysterical. Just relax. How can I relax? Well, I'm doing my best to see that you get a good night's sleep. I'm so worried I won't be able to close my eyes tonight. What are you worried about? I thought you said it was only a minor operation. Well, I don't care about that. I'm worried about Nature Boy. Who's Nature Boy? The cat. How is he going to get out tonight? What does he want to get out for? John, don't you know it's impossible for certain creatures to be shut up for the night? How well I know it. <laughs> You go to sleep, Blanche. I can't sleep. I must find out if the cat's all right. Maybe you ought to call him, John. Okay, what'll I call him? <laughs> no, I mean, call him on the telephone. Have you gone stock staring mad, Blanche? How can I call a cat on the telephone? You know it's us, and the ringing of the phone will comfort him. Go on, call Nature Boy. It won't cost anything. Nobody would believe this. <laughs> Calling a cat at 3 o'clock in the morning. Operator. Get me State 7, 9970. State 7, 9970. Thank you. How much can a man stand of this sort of stuff before he cracks up? Oh, don't be so tragic. A lot of people call their pets up. Any sound in the house to break the monotony makes them feel better. Sure. There's no answer. Shall I keep ringing? Just a minute. How many times you wanted to ring, Blanche? You sure she has the right number? Operator, you sure it's the right number? I'll try it again. Hello. Hello, Nature Boy? Ah. Are you all right? Fine. Good. I left the big dish of catnip under the sink. Don't touch the canary. Okay. Goodbye. There, the cat's the spot. Blanche! Who answered that phone? I thought you were kidding. Did somebody answer? It must have been the wrong number. You think so, John? Of course I think so. Don't stop making you believe that a cat can talk. Blanche, I can't stand any more of this. I'm going home. You get right back in that bed. Dr. Ba Rasper will never forgive me if you run out on it. I don't care. I don't trust that doctor, and I don't believe he knows what he's doing. I'm getting out of here. You are not. Everything's been prepared. The surgery, the nurses, the anesthetic. They'll think you're crazy, John. Blanche, it won't work, I tell you. There's no operation that can cure. Sorry, the guy's a fake. What's he charging you? Fifty dollars. Blanche, I appeal to your sense of economy. I'm a perfectly healthy guy. Never been sick a day in my life. That snoring operation won't work, and we'll be out $50. We won't be out a penny. I made a deal with Dr. Rasper. What deal? If the operation isn't a success, he's going to take out your liver and appendix for nothing. Uh, good night, Blanche. Good night. Francis Langford and Lou Parker are standing by for a curtain call. In the meantime, for America's finest cigarette, here's another call well worth remembering. Remember, Philip Morris is definitely less irritating, definitely milder than any other leading brand. Remember, no cigarette hangover means more smoking pleasure. So... Oh, 
And now, here are John and Blanche Bickerson as Francis Langford and Lou Parker. Say, Lou, I was talking to your wife yesterday, and she told me you just bought a big ranch out in the valley. That's right, Francis. You know, my wife is a city girl, and she doesn't know as much about ranch life as I do. We'd like you to come out and see the place, though. I'd love to see it, Lou. But it's only half an acre, but it's got good grass on it, and our livestock is thriving. Livestock? What have you got, chickens? No. Pigs? Cows? Oh, nothing like that. Well, what kind of livestock are you raising? Gophers. Good night. Good night, Francis. Good night, everyone. Be sure to listen next Tuesday night when Philip Morris again will present the Dickersons. And don't miss the Philip Morris Playhouse this coming Thursday night over this same station when Philip Morris will present An Inspector Calls. That's Thursday night for the Philip Morris Playhouse over CBS. In the meantime, don't forget to... came to you transcribed from Hollywood, California. Tonight's cast included Shirley Mitchell, Peter Leeds, and John Brown. This is John Holbrook speaking.